Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the business week ending 28th January 2022. This is Ian Haydock. This time, J&J considers bold M&A moves, a prominent new CEO for Galapagos, Biogen's interim R&D leader talks to Scripp, a view on Biogen and M&A, and a look at Destellis's digital shift plans. Johnson & Johnson is starting 2022 in a strong financial position with flexibility to act boldly on business development to build out the pharmaceutical portfolio. New CEO Joaquin Duato said during the company's fourth quarter sales and earnings call on 25th January. We are about to turn from a net debt to a net cash position for the first time in over four years, so we have the flexibility to continue to grow our dividend, be bolder in strategic acquisitions, and enhance the new J&J position in higher growth markets, Duato said. The company ended 2021 with $32 billion in cash and marketable securities and with around $34 billion in debt. Jessica Mellon writes that Duato said the company is going to be aggressive when it comes to deals, with a focus mainly on tuck-in and medium-sized acquisitions. However, he said J&J is also open to larger acquisitions, though those would have a higher bar to meet from a financial perspective. He pointed to J&J's early-stage partnership with Legend Biotech in 2017 on the CAR-T therapy Cell for $350 million up front and the 2020 acquisition of Momenta Pharmaceuticals for $6.5 billion as representative of the types of deals J&J hopes to do more of. Big Pharma is looking to offset upcoming losses of exclusivity, and a drop in biotech valuations generally over the last three months has increased expectations that 2022 could be a big year for pharma M&A. But J&J Chief Financial Officer Joseph Wolk said the decline in some biotech valuations recently has not yet changed the dialogue in the boardroom when it comes to getting deals done. J&J has laid out a goal to become a $60 billion business at the end of 2025, not including any future acquisitions. Nonetheless, the company is poised to lose its top-selling drug to biosimilar competition within that pipeline, which is Stellara for psoriasis and other inflammatory conditions, and which generated $9.13 billion in 2021. J&J's pharma business generated $52.08 billion in 2021 revenue, growing 14% over the previous year. Earlier this month, Galapagos said it was close to naming a new CEO, but few would have expected the embattled Belgian biotech to unveil Paul Stoffels, one of the most respected names in pharma industry history after overseeing a number of breakthrough drugs as Chief Scientific Officer at Johnson & Johnson. Kevin Grogan writes that Stoffels will take over from Ono van der Stolpe, the founder of Galapagos, which has faced a series of clinical and regulatory setbacks last year. The firm's pipeline has taken a battering since the osteoarthritis drug GLPG-1972, which was partnered with Servier, failed to significantly reduce cartilage loss in the Phase II Rosella trial. The Isabella Phase III programme for Ziritaxostat, which was being evaluated for idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, also disappointed, and Galapagos and partner and major stakeholder Gilead Sciences declared all clinical trials for the drug would be discontinued. These setbacks, coupled with Gilead's decision to walk away from US development of Gisellica, which is approved in Europe for rheumatoid arthritis and ulcerative colitis, 
as it could not see a path to approval after rejection by the FDA for RA, have seen Galapagos stock sink over the past year. Van der Stolpe said the challenge for the new CEO would be to identify and license or acquire products to fill the gap we currently have in the pipeline. I don't think there is a lot that needs to be fixed. We just need to refocus and start to dream again. Judging by the leap in Galapagos' share price on Stockwell's appointment, investors have already started dreaming. Biogen's interim head of R&D, Priya Singhal, will focus on steering the company's broad pipeline while navigating the post-marketing plans for the controversial Alzheimer's therapy Agile amid a firestorm of public scrutiny. She took the leadership role on an interim basis in November after the unexpected departure of longtime R&D leader Al Sandrock and the botched launch of Adjuhelm. Sinkal talked to Scripps' Jessica Merrill about the draft decision by the US Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to restrict coverage of Adjuhelm to the clinical trial setting, the morale at Biogen following the recent public backlash, and navigating a broad range of pipeline demands, even as the slower-than-expected launch of Adjuhelm could curb R&D investment and result in spending cuts. In addition to her role as interim head of R&D, Singhal is also senior VP and head of global safety and regulatory sciences and oversees R&D in China and Japan. Sandrock's retirement coming so soon after the launch of Adihelm, after he shepherded the drug through development and regulatory approval, surprised many investors and raised questions about the morale within Biogen's R&D ranks. But Singhal brushed off any controversy surrounding his decision to retire. He was at Biogen for more than 24 years, and this was a matter of time, she said. The company is still searching for a permanent successor, though Singhal declined to say whether she herself is one of them. Some of the negative publicity around the launch of Adjahelm has been disappointing, she said, because she views much of it as a misrepresentation of the facts around the company's aim for bringing the drug to market. The R&D organisation is trying to stay focused on the pipeline and getting the confirmatory trial for Adjahelm off the ground. This is scheduled to begin enrolling patients in May, with data expected in 2026, a timeline that is significantly faster than the one established by the US FDA. Staying with Biogen, the trials and tribulations associated with Adjuhelm have taken the product from a potential blockbuster asset via de minimis sales to a commercial liability. Without Adjuhelm's expected sales, Biogen's ex-growth product portfolio now leaves it with few strategic options apart from, if press reports are to be believed, a merger or acquisition, external contributor Andy Smith writes in his Stockwatch column. Even before the proposed restrictive coverage with evidence by the US Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services, press reports appeared suggesting that Samsung was in talks to buy Biogen, its partner in the biosimilar space through the Samsung BioEpis joint venture. However, as rumours go, unnamed investment banking sources quoted by a Korean newspaper appeared about as reliable as the early market research report on Adjihelm's launch that showed signs of optimism and Samsung denied the rumours within a day of the report, Smith writes. Undeterred by this initial approach of transaction by MediaLeak, the investment bankers at Goldman Sachs were reported to have been appointed to draw up a list of potential acquisitions for Biogen, on which the bank would, of course, earn significant fees. 
The management team and board of any small biotech acquisition proposed by Biogen may initially balk at being subsumed by the developer of Adihelm since their own clinical, regulatory and commercial achievements are likely to have been superior to Biogen's. Thus, the favour they would do for Biogen's investment proposition by being acquired may feel more like surrendering to a weaker opponent for a cosmetic upside valuation, Smith writes. On the other hand, the potential for target company boards and management teams to align with an acquirer that outlandishly overpays should never be underestimated, he adds. In the cool light of day, however, the investors of Biogen's targets are likely to be even less receptive to its overtures. This is because at the end of the third quarter of 2021, Biogen had $7.2 billion in debt and $3.9 billion in cash, making it likely that any offer would be an all-stock deal. With Adihelm's continuing issues, Biogen's cash position and its record of failed smaller biotech acquisitions, it may be inclined towards a bigger transaction like an all-stock merger of equals, Smith concludes. And just as an editor's note, Biogen announced on 27 January, after this article was written, the sale of its 50% stake in Samsung Bioepis to Samsung for up to $2.3 billion. Finally, Astellas Pharma's overarching goal in pursuing its own digital transformation strategy is to turn innovative science to value for patients. Pointing to shifting practices and new technologies in key areas including drug discovery, R&D, clinical trials and interactions with physicians, the major Japanese pharma firm's objective is, in one way or another, to keep those who ultimately receive its products at the centre of these efforts. In addition to improved value, which it defines as outcomes important to patients divided by the cost to a healthcare system, other benefits of the push include reduced corporate costs and increased productivity, I write in my article. As Chief Strategy, Chief Financial and Chief Business Officer Naoki Okamura told a recent media briefing, digital transformation as a broad undertaking forms a key pillar of Astellas' current strategic plan to become a value-driven life science innovator. But while its own initiative, overseen by a digital acceleration committee to formulate strategy and investment, is global in scope, remaining uncertainties in the area mean Astellas' approach has an element of caution. Start with one country or function on a smaller scale, do proof of concept, see the results, and then decide to expand it, as he put it. The company is now considering the use of cloud computing and artificial intelligence and machine learning to implement ultra-large-scale virtual screening to identify compounds with desired characteristics. But a key point is that there are still humans in the loop who can apply their judgment and experience to the findings. Practical experience so far with the combination of automation and manual techniques has shown the time from hit to candidate can be cut from two years to six months, the company said in the briefing. With the topic of decentralised or virtual clinical trials becoming a prominent topic during the pandemic, technologies that can allow remote participation and monitoring of patients, particularly those that find it difficult to travel to clinical sites, have taken on added significance. Estelle's pointed to the convenience and accuracy of approaches including e-consent, online training and communication with investigators, along with smartphone-based tools for logging symptoms and progress. Turning to planned and potential changes in the way the company interacts with healthcare professionals, Shin Yasuda, who's Senior Vice President for Information Systems, said the aim is to make more use of digital channels. In moving to digital technologies in this space, the emphasis is on determining and then delivering the information that doctors want, 
not that which the company wants to communicate pseudo-stressed. With all the broader attention being given to the nascent metaverse or 3D virtual reality, Suda also noted that Astellas started work on a pilot program this January, which is looking at approaches including virtual symposia and will move later to allowing virtual interactions between attendees at such virtual events as the requisite tools develop. That's all for this time. Thanks for listening. And a reminder that these stories in full are linked in the article accompanying this podcast and form only a fraction of the content available in script over the past week. Sign in to access all of our content in full, or take a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.